Let's do it. to another episode of Shot Bus Cinema, where we watch the movies that you love to hate, or we watch the movies so you don't have to, or, well, anyways, <laughs> we're watching movies that shouldn't be watched. I like that. <laughs> yeah, so if you're new to the show, then you have our condolences, and uh, but we think you'll have a fun ride anyway. So myself, I'm Rick, one half of the bus, and the other half of the bus is the Master of Disaster, the King of Sting. Over here, Mr. Johnny Krug. What's up, man? Oh, not much. I'm Johnny Krug, but you could call me Splatter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, this movie, man. Uh, I tell you, folks, the, the, the magic of this show is the hardest part is actually watching these movies because recording this part of it and talking about it is always a blast. But sometimes getting through these... It's it's a task. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, especially whenever I mean uh, the, the movie we're talking about today. It doesn't overstay its welcome, but it still feels pretty long in parts. <laughs> yeah, you can tell there's definitely a lot of filler going on here, and we'll get to that as we go along. But we are we are talking about the movie called Future Kill, and uh, believe it or not, Johnny, this is actually my first time sitting through the thing. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a copy of it, but uh, I remember when I first got it, I just kind of zipped through it because I had seen uh, Ed O'Neill at, uh, you know, one of the, either Fright Mayor or one of those, and he had Al Bundy? He signing. <laughs> yeah, Al Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Edwin O'Neill, how about that? <laughs> you said Ed O'Neill, I'm like, hell Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for you that don't know, that's uh, that's the original uh, hitchhiker from the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh, this movie also has another person from there as well. I'll let Johnny tell you about that when we get to it. But he was signing these posters and stuff. And uh, yeah, man, you should check this movie out. And so I got it and I just kind of zipped through it and I caught a few scenes. I was like, yeah, I'll watch this some other time. <laughs> And I never got around to it. <laughs> you know what I find, dude? I find that I've met a lot of celebrities, and I feel like you're the same way, too, where you get to talking to these people, and they always want to sell you on some movie that, that no one's heard of that they did. And I don't know, man. I, I feel like most of the ones that I've watched that have been recommendations from the actor themselves usually are pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's that thing. They're hoping that you're such a fan that you'll buy it just because they're in it. And I get that, right? You're trying to, you know, sell sell your products. But, yeah, 
just uh, be weary of that because hardly ever do you walk out going, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I can't believe nobody's heard of that and some weird DVD company I've never heard of is putting it out and it's limited like to 3,000 copies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So this is going to be a, a lot of fun. So everybody strap your head gear on because we're getting ready to look at Future Kill. So we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back after this. Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. And now for our feature presentation. And we're back with Future Kill from 1985. The IMDb score for this is a 4.0, which is surprisingly high, honestly. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. uh, this movie is written and directed by Ronald W. Moore, who only did this. And one thing you'll notice going into this movie on IMDb and when you're watching the credits is that a lot of additional dialogue and story was written by several of the other people involved, like I think Edwin Neal wrote some, some of the stuff. And, um, and then when you look at those people and what they've written, it's also nothing. <laughs> so, um, there's like a collective, I think four or five people who actually did the story for this. And, um, uh, I don't know. Usually it shows because usually in movies, when that happens, there's so much going on, but in this movie, I don't feel like there's that much going on. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely talk about that. Cause you can tell what they're going for, but they just don't quite reach it. <laughs> no. Um, this movie stars Edwin Neal from Texas Chainsaw. He's the uh, hitchhiker. Um, yeah. He's actually, you know what's funny is he does a lot of voice work, man. Like a lot yeah. of big voice work, too. Like he did Lord Zed on Power Rangers and just all sorts of yeah. stuff. Um, a lot of anime stuff. I mean, I remember yeah. him seeing it and he, he, he did like over 200 different voices for some anime stuff. I'm like, holy crap. Hey, good for him, man. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And this movie stars the lovely Marilyn Burns from Texas Chainsaw, the original. And if mm -hmm. you saw Texas Chainsaw 3D, that piece of freaking garbage, <laughs> she was in that one also. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. this movie Ooh. stars also great uh, Gabriel Fulsay and 
Bill Johnson, although I didn't see him in this movie, Bill Johnson, who plays Leatherface yeah. one year later yeah. in Texas Chainsaw 2, is in this. Um, I think it said he was like a henchman or something like that, like Splatter's Guard or something. Uh, Splatter Guard. <laughs> I got those for spaghetti. Splatter Guard. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, this movie, um, that one guy, Gabriel Folsey or whatever his name is, I don't remember who he played in this. He played, like, one of the frat guys or something. He went on to do yeah. a ton, man. Like, he's in, like, hundreds of, like, big things, too. So, wow. yeah, he, out of everybody in this movie, he's probably the most notable. But, um... I, you know, yeah, I mean, I, obviously, because of the, the horror background, you know, the selling point was, you know, original Texas Chainsaw people in it, but I really didn't recognize anybody else because I wasn't really looking either, so... <laughs> Well, dude, I mean, uh, the tagline for this movie is the stars of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre are back. And to me, it's like <laughs> they didn't even try to, like, like make a tagline that actually pertained to this movie at all. It's just like they were banking 100% on those stars. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, is it any different than, than what Toby Hooper did, though, with uh, what was what was the next movie he did? Uh, after Chainsaw? After Chainsaw, Eat yeah. Alive. The, the Eat Alive. I mean... Wouldn't it like th- this movie's like Texas Chainsaw, but it's not? I mean, it was some <laughs> tagline like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like last time he had a chainsaw, this time he's got a gator. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, one thing also about this movie that um, we'll probably get into a little bit later, but the I think before you even talk about who's in this movie, the number one selling point to this is the gorgeous H.R. Giger art. Yeah. It Absolutely is phenomenal. The poster art for this is yeah. just—it is something else. And I mean, it's—it's it's what you'd expect from that—that that artist. Um, and yeah. you know, there are a lot of stories about how they came about that. And especially after you see the movie, you're like, "How did they? <laughs> how did they manage that? That's like all the budget yeah. is that art." It, it has to be, and and that's uh, that's again, it's what I remember Ed talking about when he was talking about the you know this movie in general and talking about man, we got Giger to do the artwork and. I've got so many copies of this and, you know, and, you know, just he got to meet him and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, it, you know, and then going back and after watch movie, it's like, well, yeah, that's where all the money went. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I think immediately when people hear the word future kill, I mean, even if you haven't seen this movie, you've seen this poster. Oh, yeah. And uh, for sure. And so that's. That's kind of the draw to this thing. This is this goes back to that mom and pop shop kind of thing, right? You walk through and you just look at the the cover cover of the VHS or the DVD boxes, and this is that one that you would grab because it looked cool. And then you'd bring it back after the weekend and go, "Wow, waste my money on that one." <laughs> <laughs> there's there's something I like to call below short bus, and and those are the movies that are coming out now that are like they have all oh, these yeah. they have all these amazing horror artists. I mean, these people have done like major releases. They're great artists. They're, I mean, and they do such a great job for all these indie movies, but the movies are so garbage. Yeah. Like, I would even review them on the show because they're not even like, they're 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 worse. I, I think they're trying or no, they'll maybe lack of trying. <laughs> but whatever it is, well, the, the art is amazing and, and the movies are just terrible. I know exactly what you're talking about, and and that's the the catch to all this, right? Because even though, just like this movie here, and you know, we'll talk about our feelings on it, but 
at least there's still some fun, entertaining talking points about it. Oh yeah. When you get when you get to the movies where you don't even want to talk about them, yeah, that's that's below the bus, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and, and it's that's almost the, thing, there, the like, point of trying to be bad, you know, and that 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 never appeals to me when a movie is trying to be bad. Well, I, what I think it is is I think a lot of these movies that are coming out nowadays they have these kickstarters and stuff, and and I think they get I don't know, man, they must spend a considerable amount considerable amount on the art form to get people like interested in stuff, and I think yeah. That's way before the movie's ever filmed and stuff. Yeah. So they yeah, have, then they got to deliver on it, and they just have to make up some crap. Yeah, dude, they, they have like this great art. And it's like, how do we follow that art up? And I mean, nowadays yeah. it's like they don't. <laughs> I don't know, man. Back in the back in the eighties, at least you know they could somewhat get do well to follow through. Right. Well, it's it's the He Man story, right? I don't know if you ever saw the the toys that made us about He Man, but you know they were trying to push this these these characters and they're like well how are the kids gonna know well there's there's a comic book <laughs> what <laughs> i mean this guy was just making up stuff on the spot oh yeah and not only a comic book but there's there's a cartoon series didn't we tell you about that <laughs> so when he after he sold the idea to the people he'd walk out and say hey guys we got to come up with a comic book and a cartoon real fast <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> Oh, all right. So we want to jump into this one. Well, yeah, the, the, yeah. Let's just jump right into it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You know, this thing kind of kicks off, and you kind of get that synthesizer John Carpenter type music, and it has a Blade Runner kind of look with the opening credits and stuff. And it looks like a cross between Blade Runner and the opening credits of like Terminator writing. So you're kind of going, okay, this is going to be one of those '80s futuristic films, right? And then it cuts right to Splatter, which I got wrote down because they didn't say his name right off the bat, but I said, we got Robot Wendy O. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually better than, than what I wrote. I wrote Hubcap. <laughs> Hubcap. <laughs> which is uh, which is Ed here that we're talking about. And, you know, the outfit's pretty, pretty cool for the time, I guess, for a low budget. Oh, yeah. He looks like he would work with the Eliminators, right? That old that old movie with oh, the yeah. guy with the, the <laughs> it's on the tank. <laughs> and uh so I got Robot William Rendy o. Williams is talking to Adam Ant. And uh <laughs> Yeah, goody too. <laughs> yeah. And he's basically telling him, Look, man, you know, we don't mind you hanging around here, but if you kill another one of my people, you're out of here. <laughs> I'm like, What? <laughs> Well, I would think after killing one of your people, you'd be like, "Yeah, you got to go." Well, he's like, he's like, we're le- we're uh, we're leading the nonviolent movement, <laughs> and then the guy like whips out this claw hand. <laughs> yeah, he came to the wrong party. Yeah. I- uh, speaking of party, it just cuts away to a fraternity, and it's like a negligee party. So there's you know. Uh, lots of women running around in negligees for some reason. I, I'm not going to pretend to understand what was going on here, man. <laughs> oh, and I tell you, I, I really have to admit, the beginning, I'm like, okay, I'm on board. We got these cyborg people and stuff, and then it just cuts to a fraternity. I'm like, did somebody just edit, like, tape over the rest of this movie with some kind of frat movie because this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, and, and it's they're, like they're, they have so many like gags going at once, man, like just so yeah. many animal house gags, but they're not as effective. Like it's a lot of like, you know, 
the bottle cap glass nerd, you know, who's got, who's like, there's like a, a hanging blow up doll with a dress and his head stuck under yeah. the dress. And it's just like, come on, man. Penis hot dogs. I mean, you dude. Know, I really had no idea what was going on here. I just, I was like, well, is it a negligee party? Is it a swingers party? I, I said, I don't know. I mean, I really didn't know what was happening. I've never seen dildos on skewers on a fire pit before. <laughs> so uh, it ends up being, uh, this turns into a legit 80s frat movie. And you've got this group of renegade knuckleheads that are from another fraternity that have showed up to this one. And they have to go in and apologize to, I guess, the leader of this fraternity. And um, Like, that they destroyed his car or something? They didn't really say what the prank was that they are apologizing for. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm confused on that, too, because it's almost like they had to buy another car. Yeah, it's like a he, Corvette like, down, or something they ruined. Yeah, and he, he downplays it to, well, maybe I can get another one for my dad in a color that I like or some crap like that. So, anyways, the guy's an ass. That's uh, the leader of this, and he expects them to uh, pay him back by uh, dressing up basically in drag and show up at another party. And these guys are too macho to do that. So, well, there's one of them, man. Go- there's one that's just a complete hothead. <laughs> yeah, he is. And, and uh, well, hold on. Before we move on, can I just say that there's a guy that walks in in this scene. He's one of the main dudes. He looks just like Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, he does. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bring him up quite a bit in here. <laughs> okay. Good. I won't interrupt you. I, just, I thought that was worth noting. You know, to the point of when I first saw it, I wanted to kind of look up and see if it's actually him. My wife did, my wife did the same thing. So, anyways, these guys that have gone in here are basically said, no way, we're not doing that. They go outside and conveniently placed out in front of the fraternity. Is uh, I guess a bucket of tar, and they decide to tar and feather this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've gone from cyborgs killing people to Animal House, <laughs> <laughs> and after they tar and feather this guy, they take off. They run out to the car, and this the big hothead guy jumps in the car and takes off without the rest of them. They all run back to their fraternity. And he shows up a little later on, and they're giving him a hard time. And then he has a woman with him, and apparently she's going to make it with all of them. Two at a his, time. Uh, yeah. That's says. his kind of way of <laughs> fixing things, you know. And again, man, where is this movie going? <laughs> well, I don't know, man. Like, they, they go into they go into this. It's really weird because they're, like, all gy- gyrating and, like, air humping and, like, <laughs> Hooting like wolves, and I'm like, this is where does this is this is this like supposed to be real? <laughs> like people act like this. I'm, seriously, man. I I thought somehow the version I was watching, they just got the first twenty seconds of the movie, and then from here on, it was just recorded <laughs> something else. <laughs> man, could you imagine? Yes, I can imagine. Especially back in the day on VHS, people thought that their copy had been taped over with some kind of porn right. or something. What just crap? But yeah, I've even got it here. It said the the dudes, when the lady walks in and goes upstairs, I said, dude starts acting like morons. And you got Jim Carrey Jr. howling like a wolf. <laughs> He's howling like the wolf. Wolf. Dude, I like that they, the, 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 they do this whole thing. I mean, it's, it's one of those gags where it's like, okay, you kind of see it from a mile away because it's like, 
All right, guys, she's ready for you, but don't turn the lights on. <laughs> and she, yeah, I mean, of course she's she's yeah, attractive. She's attractive at first, you know. Like, you know, they go in there with this attractive woman, but they can't turn the lights on. And then uh, when the lights pop on, it's divine. <laughs> They're in bed with divine or meatloaf in a wig. Right, and I even say impossible switcheroo. How do you? <laughs> How do you do this? How do you get that big hunk of a woman in the bed and the other one out with those guys already there? She would have. <laughs> she would have just sitting down would have launched both of them into orbit. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. That's I apologize <laughs> to. <laughs> but it's but it's the truth. It is. <laughs> oh. I mean, she could have rolled over and squished one of these guys, and we'd never seen him again. Well, and this but, was uh, kind of like, was was this payback from their frat leader because they didn't follow yeah. through with, you know, the the apology thing to the other guy? Which, th- this frat leader looks like he's been in this frat since, I don't know, <laughs> for 30 years. Dude, <laughs> he's got cul-de-sac hair, man. He's got, like, I'm pretty sure he has a job as a car salesman he's been at for 20 years. But anyways, after they turn the light on and they're in bed with Meatloaf, they freak out, and that's when uh, the the leader of this fraternity says, uh, now you guys have to go out and uh, deal with your punishment because of you guys messing up going and apologizing to the other guy. And then we get this huge makeup montage. <laughs> yeah, that, that was weird. Girls doing yeah. their hair. <laughs> Girls are taking the four guys and putting you know, makeup on them and, and doing their hair. And I said, uh, when it got through, they looked like background dancers for a Billy Idol video. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote that they look, they look, they got dressed like culture club. <laughs> Ooh, that's pretty good. It is pretty good, but they end up, uh, the, the, the punishment is, is they have to go downtown and kidnap a freak. I mean, this is how you tie in the fraternity to, this nuclear fallout bunch <laughs> yeah is you're gonna go kidnap a freak well here i mean well let me go ahead and say too like before that whole prank with the the, the girl switcheroo thing that goes up that goes down there's a whole like news segment where it shows that there's like all the civil yeah. unrest and like the city's on fire and and just all this crazy stuff's been going on and uh they even say on the news that there's rioting mutants <laughs> Like when the news when the news uses the word mutants, you know you would probably pay a little bit of attention before you stage your pranks down there. Right. So for for all you listeners that are with us so far and you haven't turned it off yet, um, when you go from a movie called Future Kill, you would think maybe this is set in the future, or maybe you're killing in the future, but none of that's really real here. We just got. <laughs> Mutants in 1984-85 chasing frat kids. <laughs> that's that's future kill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and for the most part, most of them aren't even mutants. I think it's only uh, like a couple. No. <laughs> well, they're, well, they're just people because they, they dress that way because they want to send this message. So at the heart of all this, it's this big nuclear fallout message that they're giving. So way to, way to go, directors. That really sells. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, they're driving downtown. It's the four guys and the the leader of the fraternity. And this car ride, man, 
It's as long as the van montage we get to begin in a rock and roll nightmare. It just keeps going, man. Uh, yeah, they even get into like a, a road rage incident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what was that all about? I don't Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> and then the dude like throws a brick or something at their windshield and they they all look so confused about why they're like sideswiped and why this dude's pissed off and I'm like, I'm just as confused as you guys are. <laughs> And to really give you the idea of what kind of guys we're talking about here, these guys are full-on preppy dudes from the 80s, just like your two guys at the beginning of Texas Chainsaw that are hooting and hollering in the car. These guys, when they pull up to finally where they're going to stop, they get out of the car, they're all like, Woo! Yeah! All right! I mean... <laughs> and they, they kind of uh, missed the mark on that, because Texas Chainsaw 2, a year later, knew that they had to kill all those characters. This movie made them the protagonists. Right. It's like, I think you guys are and, you're missing the point here. Those, those people need to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's part of the problem here is because you want these guys to die. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're not likable at all. Right. So they they pull up on a street corner and they eyeball, guess who? That's right, Adam Ant from earlier. <laughs> and this is who they want to kidnap. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Why does this guy, you know, when I'm thinking they want to go kidnap a freak, I'm thinking some girl, right? I'm not thinking they're going to go grab some random dude. <laughs> Maybe that's just me, but I'm trying to figure out, okay, what are you going to do with this guy if you're kidnapping a freak? I'm just kind of worried here, right? But anyways, they run up to uh, to grab Adam Ant. Dude, five seconds. This prank lasts five seconds. Right. <laughs> and they go to grab him, and then all of a sudden, Splatter's there, too. And he picks up Jim Carrey by his neck and takes his pledge pen. <laughs> uh, it's like him. all of a sudden we're in a twist we're in a twisted sister video, you know. <laughs> a pledge pen on your uniform. That's again Animal House. That's awesome. Uh, but then and then he uh the, the pledge leader comes up, hey, you didn't have to do that and, and splatter. Shoots out these Wolverine like claws out of his fist and just jabs a dude under the chin, picks right him up. up through his mouth and <laughs> kills the dude, man. And I'm like, okay, we're getting somewhere. Oh, yeah, the slaughter begins early. I mean, once you get past all the makeup montages and stuff, I mean, their prank lasts five seconds, then all of a sudden it's like a full on slaughter. Right. And then what's funny is even though they're trying to kidnap Adam Ant, he actually comes over to slitter, Splatter and he's like, uh, Hey, my slitter. <laughs> Adam Ant walks up to Splatter and like, Hey, you didn't have to kill the guy. And then in, in retaliation, he kills Adam Ant. <laughs> I'm like, wow. This, I mean, weren't you staying at his place? That's well, probably not going to end well. It's not going to end well, but at the same time, it's kind of like, dude, you literally just gave him an ultimatum about not killing and since you saw him do it in front of you, he does not care. <laughs> he don't care. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so now the frat boys are taking off on foot, and Robo o Wendy O. Williams is having <laughs> other guys chase after him. So what you got going on now is basically the story from the Warriors, <clears throat> where, you know, the leader has been killed, and they blame it on somebody. So, you know, Splatter is saying that these kids have killed Adam Ant, which he's got a real name here. I'll find it later on. Don't really matter at the time. But uh, he's this big leader of this rebellion that's going on. 
and supposedly he's this peaceful guy, but now that they've blamed these guys, and now everybody that lives in this area is going to be after these frat guys. So very much a warrior's story at this point. Well, yeah, because he can still uh, continue the narrative of like this nonviolent revolution going on, and yeah. and still get these people taken care of. Yeah, absolutely, and that kind of sets up everything that follows. Uh, you get the next scene is where we see Marilyn Burns, and she looks like a cross between Dude. Tina Turner and Robert Smith. Fine ass Dorothy <laughs> Grimm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's all tricked out, man. And uh, she finds out that uh, Adam Ant's been killed by Splatter. And uh, then she talks to Splatter about, uh, you know, we get a lot of information about his past where he was human at one time. And I don't know if it's a nuclear accident that happened. Yeah, they said it was some kind of radioactive accident or something. Yeah. And to calm him down, she says, you know. Uh, maybe you should just go out and kill some people. That should make you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is right after. This is right after because he's blaming you know the way he is on this accident, and this is right after she tells him she's like, "No, it didn't change your heart. It changed up here and his like brain." <laughs> <laughs> so go kill some people. <laughs> That's a good suggestion. Right, just go kill some people. Make you feel better, right? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, do. I do. I do love her in this man, Dorothy Grimm. Sure. Cool name. She she looks pretty dope. Uh, yeah. I mean, Marilyn Burns was always cute. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it, it works. I mean, for what they're trying to pass through here, what they're trying to shovel us, <laughs> uh, you know, she actually is, is one of the, the, the better moments of this thing. So, uh, speaking of better moments, this cuts to where Splatter is walking out in the street and a couple of hookers see him, and one of them's like, oh, yeah, girl, you know, I always wanted to get a piece of that. (laughs) (laughs) So she goes and makes a move on him, and I I, I was just at shock at this point. I'm like, really? (laughs) This is where this movie's going now? Because she decides that she's going to go down on him. In this alley, man, this is just like dark alley. Yeah, yeah, I mean... So, uh, yeah, he, I guess he opens up his pants and she freaks out (laughs) and he makes some comments here, but I was laughing so hard. I didn't hear what he said, (laughs) but he's, you know, uh, he basically takes her and shoves her against the wall and kills her with a big piece of sheet metal. Dude, what I, what I. (laughs) What I wrote down was uh, Splatter made an alleyway lot lizard aluminum siding burrito. <laughs> wow, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> yeah, because he just takes her. It's it's like a sheet of tin or something that he just folds around her and squishes her to death. <laughs> yeah, dude, it, like, it's crazy, like man. Like the weird thing is though, she made it sound when she was talking to the other trick before. She made it sound like she'd been with this guy before. Like, yeah. but then she sees his hog yeah. and she freaks out. <laughs> haven't you ever wondered what it'd be like to be with him no <laughs> I haven't <laughs> well, and then the other girl's like well make sure you take pictures really <laughs> what kind of hooker's carrying a camera back in 1985 <laughs> you have to carry a Polaroid <laughs> oh but uh, uh, 
And then Splatter is just, he's totally obsessed with killing the rest of these guys, man. So he's just, the rest of this movie, he's just wandering the rest of the town trying to get these guys. And yeah, the guys have split up at this point. You got a couple of them that's off on their own, and the other ones, there's three together and then two together. And they're running opposite directions. The car has either been destroyed or something at this point, so they can't get back to the car. And these two guys are wandering around, and they see a couple of cops in here trying to rape one of these hookers, yeah, it's, I guess. It's like, I guess she's a hooker. It's like a SVU, but instead of the cops helping the victims, they're creating them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's full on, you know, they're going for this apocalyptic, like, the streets of the RoboCop movie, right? I mean, they're going for this kind of craziness. And mixed with, I have to say it, it's it's uh, Escape from New York. Oh, yeah. Ex- except it's not as big of a town, so it's more like uh, Des Moines. So it's like Escape from Des Moines. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I would pay to see that in the trilogy, Escape from Des Moines. I think that's kind of what this is, man. <laughs> well, you know, also, it's like, you should... like, as far as the costumes and stuff go, man, like Splatter and Dorothy and everybody looks pretty cool, you know, and, yeah. and this movie's pretty cheap all around, but these cops, man... They did not look like they were cops. No, no, man. They look like they're wearing the outfits of, like, chips, right? They're like motorcycle cop-looking guys. Yeah. But they're in a car, I think, so <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Well, but anyways, well no, no, they're, they're in an alley with their, like, cop, their squad lights on. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah and I guess so, yeah. It's like, it's like so you're, you're cops and you're in this alley with lights drawing attention to yourselves, but you're about to rape this chick. Well, you know, you're the cops. What are they going to do, right? So, there you go. Uh, yeah, and then the dudes decide to go ahead and try to save the girl, and they get in a, in a fight with the cops, and one says, Hey, man, my dad's the chief of the police. And the cops, like, do a quick run on him, I guess, and find out, yep, he's right. Let's get out of here. And I'm like, well, that was awful convenient. <laughs> It's like they wrote that in, and we got to get them away from them somehow. Well, why don't they get in a fight? No, nah, I don't like that idea. Uh, one of them's dad is the chief of the police. Oh, okay, that works. Well, and, and, and when you think about it, there was like, all this was to was to like facilitate them meeting this this girl, right? Like, none, yeah, none, oh yeah, that's <laughs> all it was for. None of it was like really meaningful or like had any purpose. And we we have to talk about her outfit for a moment because I still haven't figured it out. Um, I don't know if they're tampons. <laughs> I don't know if it's supposed to be like talking about, uh, you know, animal abuse because it could be like white foxtails dipped in blood. I, I really have no idea what this outfit is, but it is 80s to the max. <laughs> oh. I guess, but now you I get guess to- I didn't pay enough attention to it. Yeah, I mean it's. I'm telling you, go back and go back and look, because you're gonna be like, "Wow, what a weird choice." I mean, for for this to be a protest movie, and of course she talks about that. She talks about why they dress the way they do and all this stuff is maybe to get somebody's attention. Well, yeah, if you're gonna wear that, you know, yeah, I would say so. Well, she tells the guys that she's like the cops are the only violent ones, and I'm like, where have you been living? Right. <laughs> well, I'm, I was about to say what this movie does wrong. Where have I got it wrote down here? This movie may not be future kill, 
But this movie is pretty much the Nostradamus of 2020 Seattle. Oh, man. <laughs> Dude, th- I'm surprised they didn't have, like, an autonomous zone in this movie. Man, I mean, it's, it, you know, like I said, we're making fun of all this, but it's pretty much nailing what we've just been seeing. <laughs> oh, and, and that's not even, like, it's funny because it's not even, like, it's not even, like, a joke. It, like, it's so, it parallels so well. Yeah, I mean, they even said they created their own society, and they're led by this game guy named Eddie, who, like we said, is Adam Ant. That's his name, Eddie, I guess. And, uh, uh, yeah, the the they think in the society the only violence that happens is when the police come in there. So, I mean, it's dead up <laughs> what we've been hearing on the news for six months now. But, yeah, because they're they're, uh, they're ignoring the elephant in the room, which is the, the giant mohawk guy with all the chrome and the giant claw. <laughs> Yeah, let's not worry about a guy named Splatter. He does, he sounds like an upstanding guy, right? I thought he was named that because of what he did to the bathroom. <laughs> but yeah, you've got about 15 minutes here of padding where there's just these two guys following a hooker around and trying to fail, find a way out of the city. You know, we just, uh, we just need a guy with some little pony bottles on his fingers going, Preppies, come out and play! But we don't get that. Dude, I, I don't know where we are in the story right now. I kind of do. I think this is where they go to the New Wave the club, <laughs> the dance club. Yeah, well, we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> okay. For sure. Uh, yeah, because w- what do you – well, actually, there's one thing I wanted to bring up before. Because this is, again, this is that that idea of everybody's chasing them now. Everybody knows that these people killed Eddie, so their head needs to be on a platter. And – the three guys that are off by themselves, we've cut to them for a little bit, but uh, they're being chased by a gang of dudes, and the guy that's leading the gang has got a handkerchief tied around his neck. <laughs> and I was just like, I mean, he looks like a full-fledged biker, but he's got this handkerchief around his neck goes, go up there, and they fight on the stairwell, and it's very anticlimactic, man. You think, okay, stairwell, some cool things going to happen. No, not nothing. It's, it's not. But yeah, man, what do you do when when you can't get out of town and somebody's trying to kill you? What what do you do next? Yeah, you go to a bar and hear a punk band. <laughs> <laughs> and they're singing a song, and I never could understand what they were saying. They're either saying City Rocks or they're saying Xerox. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, Xerox makes a lot more sense now, though. Yeah. Do you need some copy Xerox? <laughs> <laughs> this whole movie was just a, a, a you know... An illusion for like a Kinko's ad. <laughs> uh, we can only hope. <laughs> uh, so they go. I mean, and you have to. I mean, this is. I have to say, man. Even though the band sounds pretty good, they are about the least angry punk band I've ever seen, man. I mean, they're just they're just having fun. So. I don't know. I expect them to be a lot more angry, but they're definitely not, man. Oh, no. The chick's bopping and dancing around like... <laughs> yeah. Which is Which early stage of punk... Early... Early... <laughs> early stages of punk was kind of that way because Blondie was con- considered, you know, punk and early. But, man, the early Blondie stuff puts this stuff to shame. This is uh, this is teeny bopper kind of stuff. But, anywho, they look cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in the scene, uh, like let's—I mean, this scene, dude, goes on for so long. Oh yeah. 
well, you kind of get where the guys get separated and some decide to go down and party with the band and dance with some chicks. And it's like they totally forgot that somebody's out to try to kill them all. And uh, then you get the one guy that starts kind of falling for the hooker lady that's helping them out. And then, yeah, Splatter shows up. And, uh, oh, we forgot before that, Splatter finds the the hooker's best friend, who's also a hooker, and uh, tries to get information out of her. But he tries to get information out of her from the wrong region of the body. <laughs> Uh, so she basically gets uh, penetrated by the uh, the Wolverine claws. The claws. So, <laughs> yeah, man. So, forgot about that. That's another one of those scenes that you're like, you shouldn't overlook that because that's actually one of the better scenes in this movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. So while they're partying, listening to the band, Splatter shows up, and he goes to stab the dude that's with the hooker. And some random punk dude gets in his way, and he accidentally stabs him in the head instead. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you got to love that, man. <laughs> and then it gives all the rest of the guys the chance to run out. And they take off running again. And they're running and hiding, and there's this one guy. I call him Ron Jeremy, but there's this <laughs> guy that's got a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> that's standing there waiting on them and they they jump up and do a karate kick and knock him down somehow and they take off running again and this leads to where uh the hooker takes them to where uh tina turner robert smith is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well and go ahead oh no you go ahead well, I'm just going to say this is going to set up our big finale of the movie, right? So she's giving them weapons to defend themselves, but she's got a plan for when Splatter gets there. She's wanting to, to take care of him. So while she's handing them weapons, we get a shot of Splatter, and I'm thinking he's just juicing up. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's injecting something, and I don't know if his battery is low, what the deal is, but... Definitely uh, some drug-related stuff here. Well, yeah, because, I mean, as much as he is, like, kind of radioactive or whatever, or, like, a mutant, or, like, it seems like he might have some hardware going on, too. Yeah, I mean, I was really surprised, too, that when they're chasing, I mean, he's he's full-on running, too, man. He's not, like, robotic running. He's, like, do-do-do-do, he's taking off, right? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you, you never get a real description of what parts of him is bionic and which is not so i don't guess it really matters he's a bad guy with a mohawk with a metal head and some spikes on his hand so that's kind of all you need uh then this turns into the fret guys are walking through the set of suspiria basically i mean <laughs> yeah it's it, is this like a what is this place it's like a, it's just, a u-haul I think it's, facility <laughs> I think they said that it was a, a nuclear science lab that they did a bunch of testing in back in the day, even though this is 1985. <laughs> so I'm not <laughs> sure what back in the day is at this point. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they're walking around with their guns, and 
There's even a scene where Splatter supposedly, or one of his guys, has set a booby trap with a grenade. And it's just weird things like that that makes me go, what is this movie doing? I mean, earlier we're just chasing these guys, we're stabbing people with these spikes on our hands, but we're going to take the time to set up a booby trap with a grenade. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's just, I don't know. I guess it just seems like an 80s thing to do. But it really didn't make a lot of sense because it don't even work. No. <laughs> and they just step over it. And it's like, hey, don't trip over that. <laughs> but uh, Splatter ends up coming down through the aisles. Like I said, it's it's all lit up just like Suspiria. you got red walls, blue walls, green walls. And Splatter catches one of the guys and uh, kills him and hangs him on the wall because that's what you do. Well, this, and, this is the guy that Splatter... Splatter's using his claw hand to like hack the hack the guy up with some weapon. Yeah, like a machete, I think. Yeah, like, I mean it, he's using an actual weapon. You're like, what's the uh, point of the claw hand? <laughs> right. If you're gonna use something else, and uh, then I believe he gets a hold of another guy too. But then this all leads to them being chased into this reactor room. I guess this is where they did a bunch of the studies and stuff. So everybody's now trapped in this room, and everybody's there, man. You got Tina Turner's Robert Smith. You got all the frat guys. You got the hooker in there, Ron Jeremy. You got Splatter, and he's getting ready to uh, kill one of the guys instead of just kill everybody. He's just going to kill one of them because that's what you do when you're a bad guy. And um, he's like, hey, wait a minute. You can't kill him like that. I- <laughs> I love the fact that one of the other frat guys would say, Hey, you can't kill him like that. Like he's going to say, You should kill him like this. Well, well, it's like, it's like, what's their appeal here to this, this psychotic guy with a claw hand? Like, 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 are you trying to make him feel like he's doing something wrong? Or? Right, yeah. But anyways, he says, You know what? You are exactly right. So he decides to throw him in a radiation room instead. So he opens up the radiation room door, and he's grabbing the dude, and he's going to throw him in there. And then Marilyn Burns comes out with a miniature pitchfork. <laughs> Still haven't figured this one out either yet. I mean, we've got shotguns laying around. We've got all these weapons. But she pulls out this very small trident <laughs> and stabs him in the stomach a few times. It gets pretty Pushes gory. him in the room. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like she's like twisting it in him and stuff and... Looks pretty nasty. It's not a bad effect. And uh, then she shoves him in the room and shuts the door, and he is—he's in there like he's in a microwave for about five minutes. He's just melting down. It's kind of like when Clytus gets killed in Flash Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> so his eyeballs come out of his socket and they run down his face, and it, it goes on way too long. <laughs> yeah, and and I don't know what this thing is that he's inside of. Yeah, it's just a room of, it's like a radiation room. They put him in there, and they hit these switches, and it's just, I don't know if it's like just hitting him with a whole bunch of radiation or if it's, you know, air compression. We we don't really know. Oh, dude, you know know what we didn't touch on was the fact that the guy that died, um, Adam Ant, that he, yeah, he was some kind of like nuclear genius or something. Oh, yeah. We talked about how he was... He was like developing the, you know, some kind of nuclear technology or something to fight the, you know, to lead the resistance. Um, so I guess that's what this is. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> I mean, this was a, an established building, though. Well, well, it makes sense, though, because with uh, 
with Marilyn Burns being there and her and Eddie were a couple, I guess that makes sense. So maybe this was his place where he was doing all this. Or we can, That's a good point. Or, or, and hear me out, that they thought about this less than we did. <laughs> <laughs> we're giving it too much credit. <laughs> They're going back on, oh, yeah, that's what I meant. It's kind of like George Romero, right? Oh, yeah, I meant for Dawn of the Dead to be about... Uh, you know, 70s civilization. Sure, that's what I meant. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, they they melt him away, and then we get a shot of the sun coming up the next morning, and you would think that as soon as you killed this guy that you would just get on out of there, but no, they wait for the sun to rise. <laughs> Don't know why. But uh, they all come out of the reactor room and just hang out in another room. And then they start fighting over what they should do. Should they go back home or should they go to the fraternity? You know, I I don't understand this argument at all. This whole thing is weird, man, because the movie should be over. This is the part of the movie where they walk outside the credits roll. (laughs) But they're having this conversation that no one needs to hear. Well, I mean, and they're fighting over what they should do. And I'm like, first thing is you get out of this town (laughs) and then you can discuss it. (laughs) But uh, that's not what we do. But while they're standing there arguing, they forget that they didn't kill Ron Jeremy. They just knocked him out. So here comes Ron Jeremy in the room and he's got a shotgun. And then the hothead guy, which I got wrote down here is Brutus Beefcake, (laughs) grabs him and breaks his neck in slow-mo. And it (laughs) takes this guy like three minutes to fall to the ground. Dude. They, they slow it down so much. <laughs> I couldn't help but just laugh. I'm like, dang, were they that desperate to get that last 20 seconds of film done that they just took this? It's just like, it, it's not even a fluid motion of him falling. It's like freezes. It's like, eh, eh, a little further, a little further, a little further, a little further. <laughs> There's a lot of slow motion in this movie like this. Like, I... Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's like, why? Yeah, and it has to be, because I said that this whole falling thing lasts about three minutes of the movie, and then that's kind of how this turkey ends, man. Uh, A lot of padding. You know, you can tell that's kind of the case here where they were just trying to stretch things out. I mean, when you've got an idea where you're running around in a post-nuclear city, supposedly, there's enough craziness to be had, so the fact that they had to end up padding this is kind of a shame. Oh yeah. So David Burns there's like suit from Once in a Lifetime had less padding. <laughs> wow. That is good. That is really good. <laughs> Same as it ever was. Uh yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what hurts this film, I think, because it's not the the acting's not bad. It's not great. But there's just a lot of padding going on here of, of just trying to make all these things connect. So, But yeah, there you go. That's Future Kill. Future Kill. <laughs> future. A lot of killing, no future. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, any good lessons from a bad movie for this one? Yeah, man. Uh, don't, don't go try to kidnap a freak. <laughs> I mean, that's not going to end well, man. Yeah. Be friends with with freaks. Be friends with Adamant. Well, for for people who are always do, they seem like pranksters. They're always pulling pranks. They seem like really ill planned on any of them. <laughs> well, 
Hey, another one too is if you're uh, if you're about to get it on with a lady that you haven't been around much, and she says, "Turn off the light and leave it off." Don't trust her. <laughs> no, because no, because you're you're either getting an orca or a dong. <laughs> orca dong. <laughs> Orca dong, what's that flower you get on? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Man, for me, uh, the lesson I got from this was like, all you need is a giant claw to just take over a complete a revolution. I, you know, I, I, I still have to say, if there's one thing you take away from this movie, it's got to be those darn penis hot dogs, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's the true what-the-heck moment in this movie, right? I can handle futuristic, cybernetic, robots-chasing-frat guys, but penis hot dogs? I need a little more explanation, guys. <laughs> Is that that's your what were they thinking? Oh, yeah, I should have saved that one. Dang it. <laughs> oh, do you have another one? Dude, this movie's a bunch of what were they thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the idea of Pick a movie, right? I mean, why don't you just have it in this polka, 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 this polka apocalyptic setting, and just build the story there? Why do you have to have a group of frat kids, yeah, <laughs> be the heroes of a movie called Future Kill? It just—I don't know, man. It's a real letdown. For me, the what were they thinking was uh, throwing an episode of Top of the Pops in the middle of this. Carnage fueled hellscape. <laughs> oh, top of the pops. Gotta love it. How would you upgrade this, man? <laughs> oh, let's see. I would have probably, uh, I would have shown the Robo Dong. <laughs> Dude, it, okay, so the, the, my upgrade could actually could actually lend itself to that um here you go my upgrade would be a full-on remake full-on yeah no slow motion and we use your idea of the robo dong because in a new movie that you're telling me right now that if this was rob zombie's future kill there wouldn't be robot dong oh yeah yeah you'd, you'd have sherry moon's butt and some robo dong oh yeah dude these would be the most white trash like post-apocalyptic <laughs> oh, dude! I, I I honestly think Rob Zombie should remake this now. <laughs> yeah, and Escape from Des Moines. I'm telling you, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> where would you sit this on the bus, man? Yeah, it's a tough one, man. Um, I'm gonna say just in the middle of the bus. I'm I'm kind of neither way about it. I mean, it it's not one that I would really want to revisit or even really show anybody, but it wasn't bad enough that I think nobody should ever see it ever either. So I'm just kind of meh on it. So middle of the bus. I'm going to go uh, second seat, man, behind the driver. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, up a, I, up a seat. I've seen this multiple times. I enjoy this movie. Um I know it's not yeah. I know it's not good, man. This movie's not good at all. But it's there's something about it that you know it's got a it's, it has some appeal. I think it, it, the run sure. the runtime's a little long, and I think that there's a lot of slow motion and a lot of like padded out scenes, like the dance scene, and like a lot of scenes could be cut down or just completely 
chop from the movie. Yeah. But uh, oh, I think I think you can tell exactly what they were going for with this, right? Because you're tying in to the the Robo again the RoboCop post apocalyptic, um, the Warriors escape from New York. That's that's what they're leading to with all this. Oh yeah. It just kind of falls a little short on some of them, dude. You keep saying Polk apocalyptic, and all I can think of, <laughs> all I can think of, is a UHF style movie, but like, but yeah, but like Mad Max with Weird Al. Delete it, delete it, That would be so awesome, man. Oh man, Polk apocalyptic. So depending on who you believe, it says here that. In H.R. Geiger's book, Necronomicon 2, he says the director of this, Ronald W. Moore, was who he dealt with in, with the poster art. He says that he felt manipulated by Moore, who told him in tears that the film would lose its financing without the art. <laughs> um, so, I guess he did it out of pity? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? I can, I can kind of see that. Hey, you know, again, and I think I've read the stories before where... They would have these uh, these events where people would come to to buy movies, right? To the the publishing whole event, and they would actually have poster art for the films, and that would make people walk up and want to talk to them about what they were trying to sell. So you know what? I don't doubt that one bit. And if you saw that poster and you were looking for you know a movie to produce, and this poster art's looking like this, you're going to be like, yeah, I want some of that, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so the smartest thing they did with this movie, I mean, besides, you know, tell people of the genre that, you know, they had some, some, uh, genre vets in the movie. Uh, I mean, 11 years removed. I mean, Texas Chainsaw was only 11 years before this, but, um, the smartest thing they could have done, yeah, is put Geiger's art on the front of it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I've, I've always questioned, is that supposed to be splatter on the cover? I think it is. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it is. Cause if he would have looked like that. It'd been way cooler. Well, the reason I think it is is because do you have the DVD of this? I I've got a kind of a ripped copy of it. Oh, dude, the the, the DVD has a slip cover. It's really it's like a sparkly uh, po- yeah. poster of that mylar. And then and yeah. then you pull it you pull it out and it's got a red painting of of splatter that's kind of the same looking painting but like you know some some obvious differences but it's it's pretty cool because yeah I think it's supposed to be splatter. Yeah, and I always wondered about that. Is that's you know because that's what they're basing this whole thing off of, and you know, again, I have to say for eighty five or whatever this was, his outfit is pretty much on target with everything else that was happening at the time. So he would easily fit into uh, Metal Storm or any of those movies that were coming out at that time. I mean, it looks just as legit as any of that. Man, I. I, I mean, I, I seriously do think this is, uh, you know, Hollywood just wants to keep remaking, you know, the bullcrap that, you know, is already a classic. I think this is the kind of thing you go after in your remake. Yep. Totally agree, man. This is, it, it, I've always said that. Why do we keep remaking things? And I know what it is. is because you've got the name, so you're thinking it's automatically going to draw people to it. But oh, yeah, cash. Why not take these movies, take these movies that have a merit to them, that just wasn't executed very well and make them better. Oh yeah, dude. I, I've never never understood that, man. Because I would bet that 
I would bet Edward Neal would come back and reprise his role. Hell, I bet Ed O'Neill would come back and, rep- and do this role. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, ma'am. That's hilarious. <laughs> no, ma'am. Sure. <laughs> Oh, so there you go, folks. That is Future Kill. Hey, if you're a fan of this movie, let us know, because we always like to hear what people think about these flicks, because it's you can you can get yourself in a little trouble when you start talking about these, some of these flicks. Some people actually love these flicks, which, I mean, you heard Johnny say, I mean, he, he kind of likes this one. It's not like a top-shelf movie or anything, but... You know, they've got a charm to them. So if you happen, happen to like this movie and we've missed something and you know some info on it, let us know. Well, one more thing I will say. This movie was shot in Austin, Texas, and it was shot with 100% no permits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was shot in Texas. Then. It was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, because I mean, okay, I mean we'll a lot of these uh, people, they, they kind of stuck to that area when it came to filmmaking. Yeah, and that, I was kind of wondering about that because, again, with, with the combination of, of the two people from Texas Chainsaw being in this, it totally makes sense, you know? And, uh, hey, what can you say, man? You you shot this supposedly futuristic movie in a 1985 setting of Austin, Texas, so. <laughs> oh, man. I'll be interested <laughs> in hearing what people say about this. Yeah, yeah, me too, because it, I think it can be kind of divisive. I think there's people that'd be like, oh, I love that movie. Another one's be like, yeah, I think I'd rather take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode. Remember to check us out everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. And uh, we will see what comes up next for us. I've got a couple of ideas. Uh, I believe we've got the next episode kind of set to go. And we're not going to reveal what that is just yet, but I think we're going to have a also special guest on that episode. And uh, like I said, just uh, give us some feedback. Share the love. Share this show with people, man. If you like this show, the only way we're going to get heard is if you tell other people they need to listen. So check it out. Yeah. All right. Johnny, you got, any, got anything else, man? Well, the, the world's a crazy place right now, folks. You know, a lot going on. Yeah. We're, we're in a pandemic, or as a guy I know calls it a pepidemic. Uh, but, but what you guys need to realize is you need to stay away from the, uh, lot lizard aluminum siding burritos. <laughs> they will mess yeah. you up. <laughs> that's all I got. Yeah, that's good, man. That's, that's words of advice to live by for <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> all right, folks, we're going to cut on out of here. We will see you later. Peace. Peace.